Hey fam, this is Sylvie, your host from Secrets in the Saddle, and I need to give you a little background from this particular interview. It was conducted two years ago with my good friend Stephen Bentley, Ironman coach, and uh, just super uh, informative about nutrition. You will be surprised. You just really want to hear this. So it was um, it has been taken from a Facebook Live done two years ago, so you might hear a bit of background and and stuff from my house and uh, we didn't have the technology we do now so that's why you might hear some things and uh, that's why I just need you to know that this was taken two years ago and make sure you subscribe because he will be back in the new year with some new tips for you um, with regards to getting your training started and making the most of your training on the trainer this year enjoy the interview Welcome to Secrets from the Saddle podcast. I'm Sylvie Daou, your host, fellow cyclist, bike club founder, cycling coach, bike race junkie, just truly super passionate about cycling. My journey with cycling started 20 years ago when I opened a spin studio, started a women's race team, and founded a women's only cycling club called Cycle Fit Chicks. I'm super thrilled to reveal all aspects that make the world of cycling operate. I'm so excited to be able to bring you interesting people from around the world, pro cyclists, recreational cyclists, coaches, event organizers, bike shop owners, everything and everyone you need to know or ever wondered about when it comes to cycling. I know you'll enjoy this episode. Hey, 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 everyone. It's that time of the week, and Sylvie Dow here, back for Secrets from the Saddle with amazing friend of mine, Stephen Bentley, Ironman performance coach. So let's just talk about what this is all about. So a while back, and uh, you know, my passion is cycling. I'm going to give you a little um, bio of mine. And so I thought that this would be amazing just to give back as a cycling coach, racer, uh, club owner to the world of cycling in like bringing great content of training, uh, nutrition tips, things about the industry that maybe you guys might find interesting or maybe some of these things might just help you in your training and performance performances going forward. So just to tell you a little bit about myself, I'm sitting here in beautiful Chelsea, Quebec, Canada, and uh, my cycling started not too long ago. I find myself a pretty like novice kind of racer compared to some of these people that I'm bringing on, but it was all through passion that I got started with my cycling career, I'd like to say it, and it stemmed through a lot of avenues in the cycling world. So um, currently I'm a level three national performance cycling coach. I have eight years of racing from the masters to senior one, two level. My favorite races are crits. And um, I also am founder of one of the largest women's cycling groups in Canada called Cycle Fit Chicks, from my knowledge. Um, and it's our 10th anniversary, so I'm super excited, pumped about that because we as a club have lots of fun things going. And I love giving back to women in cycling. Over the last 10 years, I've coached over 800 ladies to become more better confident cyclists and uh, it just makes me so happy every day to see those ladies becoming into themselves and getting to become one with their bikes. Um, I'm a personal trainer. I had a spinning studio and that's basically where it all started from 2001 to 2009. I loved it there and that's what gave me the drive to do a lot of my things in cycling just watching all my amazing clients coming in and uh, becoming better cyclists on the spin bike. Um, so I'm also now a race organizer and I'm also a race commissaire, which means a race official. So if you ever go to a cycling race, know that there's a lot of background that happens um, to make those races safe for the racers. And that's where a race commissaire comes in. And also if you have discrepancies in your race, 
we get to hear about it. Um, I also did get on the, I've uh, been in bodybuilding, so figure and bikini for the last, mm, since 2004, I can't even count. And I don't know how many of competitions I've done, but I made it to the IFBB national stage in both bikini and figure. So I love to combine fitness, weight training with cycling. It's so important. Um, and I'm also a nutritional, a nutrition consultant and specialize in nutritional timing for athletes. A lot of that needed in here. So I'm just so passionate about giving back and that's why we're doing this. And I want to invite my good friend, Stephen Bentley, to the stage. And when we talk about nutrition and training, he has, I'm just going to get him on here and then I'm going to go through his uh, bio and give you a rundown of what he's all about. So hold on. Let me just figure this out. Oh my God, this is getting easier. It's so stressful trying to bring somebody else on. So this is what's amazing about Facebook Live. I actually bring a couple people in to talk to and to share stuff. So as Steve is getting connected, ah, there he is. Awesome. Hey, so I'm wondering if we can, uh... hey there. All right. So this is my good friend, Stephen Bentley. He is in Texas right now. And um, so he has, and I can't wait to get into these questions, but he has a very, well, I want to say very long time. He's looking pretty hot. I don't know if anybody saw those pictures that I posted of him. I had to do it. I don't know if he, he did you see the picture? I know. <laughs> I always thought awesome. Because it's important to build muscle as an athlete. And that's kind of what I wanted to showcase with Steve because that's what he's done himself. So let's talk about his bio and then we're going to get into sharing and he's going to tell you more about himself um in a moment so all right so steve has been an ironman performance coach for the since 1990 so does anybody know where they were in 1990 i just graduated from high school in 89 <laughs> and i think i probably bought my first road bike in 90 <laughs> And it was a Peugeot triathlon series and it cost like 700 bucks back then. That was pretty, I had that for like 20 years. Um, and so he's been training and racing, helping clients participate in over 1400, was it 1400, Ironman races and hundreds of shorter distance races. So like five Ks, 10 Ks, sprint marathon, sprint um, tries and stuff like that. His athletes have been overall winners in various uh, triathlon age categories, such as world championships and distances in Olympic and long courses. So if you're looking for a coach, you might want to access him at some point um he's qualified dozens of athletes to go to hawaii i am uh, world championships he has been coach of the year and uh he himself has two-time i uh hawaii i am world champion finisher so that's why he's got all the knowledge behind him He's also has personal best in IM, so nine hours and 21 minutes. That's unbelievable. Um, half IM at four hours, 11 minutes, and half marathon at one hour, 11. Wow, I can't even imagine. I like riding my bike too much. <laughs> and he is also an expert in performance, nutrition, recovery, and health, which is so important. We're going to talk a lot about that. And together, we are actually on Team Isogenics, which is an elite group of athletes um, within Isogenics. So you might hear that tag word in here later on. But um, we talk nutrition and athletes and performance. That is where, you know, you want think about in your nutrition so let's get to steve and um so steve i want you to give us a little bit uh, you know like 
how did you get into triathlon? Must have been before yeah. 90. Tell us a little bit I mean, about that. I actually I graduated high school in 1985. I'm 52 years old now. I just turned 52 about a week ago. And that was a long time ago. <laughs> 1985. I got into university. I'd been a cross-country <laughs> ski racer and cross-country runner for a while. I'd never done triathlons. But I like to ride my bike. I like to run a lot. And obviously, I lived in Canada at the time, so I skied a lot. And a friend of mine said, hey, we should do a triathlon. I was like, what the heck is that? <laughs> so he explained it to me. I said, well, I, can, I can't swim, but I can bike and I can run. So let's try that. And I remember getting ready to swim and like swimming the length of a pool and hanging onto the pool and thinking, I am going to die. This is never going to work. And the first triathlon was just heck. It was the St. Mary's <laughs> triathlon. It was an Olympic distance race. And I, I seriously thought I was going to die in the swim. But it, it caught my attention. I got going on it. So that was the mid-1980s, 1986, I think. Fortunately for me, triathlon was massive, still is, in Ontario. And probably the largest organized race series in the world for the longest time was the Royal LePage Series, which was run by Graham Fraser, who started Ironman North America. So he ran all the Ironman North America sites and really took Ironman to that next level. And then WTC came in and took everything back from him. So he's doing other stuff now. Who is the guy who Graham started Fraser. it? What was his name? Yeah. Yeah. I actually rented Graham Fraser. Okay. He's a good friend of mine. I rented his house in Lake Placid one time for a training camp because I've held training camps all over the all over the place for coaching. But anyways, that's how I got into, into triathlon. It was because I wanted to become a better cross-country ski racer, actually. And uh, then I realized, man, I'm skiing. I'm training all summer long to ski for a couple weeks in the winter because the snow is not that great in southern Ontario. And I decided, yeah, I really like this. This triathlon stuff i'm getting a challenge from learning how to swim and getting really good at things so i came at it not from a, a perspective of being a good swimmer like a lot of triathletes do i sucked actually and i got really good at it because of just understanding the focus on technique which um, we'll talk about hopefully through this call but yeah that's how i got started in triathlons i loved it and gosh i raced in that for decades and then just switched from that to just the coaching and now i'm just staying fit and healthy and you know, strong. I'm way a lot more now. I probably, at the time I was racing, I was probably 158. I'm five foot eleven, so pretty lean. Um, I'm 188 now. I just pack on a lot more muscle because as I get older, I want to be more muscular and not as lean. So, anyways, that's my triathlon starting history. Yeah, I tried triathlons. I think you froze on me here. Can you hear me? Oh, there we go. Yeah. He's calling me. So I tried two triathlons in my work, in my, in my uh, life and uh, same with you, but I didn't decide, I decided not to pursue it. I was like sucked in swimming. I hate swimming. So, and I knew that I was really good cyclist. And um, my first one, I was going to tell a quick story as St. In the St. Lawrence rip, have you ever ridden or swam in the St. Lawrence? Well, they in Brockville, they take you out in a boat and they drop you in the middle and you have to swim 750 meters back to the shore. But the thing is that you have to swim this yeah, way right, and yeah. the current's going that way. So you're like sitting here and you're like going for it. And I'm like, oh my God, I was like one of the, honestly, one of the last people. This is me. <laughs> and I got out there and I, but my bike was so strong the only person that passed me was this old guy. And I was like, oh my God. And I tried to keep up and I'm like, okay, you got it. <laughs> and I, I, and I survived the run. And then that was my career. Um, and, uh, but, and then I tried one more and I was like, no, these, this is not for me. And I went into mountain bike racing. <laughs> so there you go. And before you go, before we continue with Steve, I want you guys to, um, to share this video and actually put questions down below. We'll get to those later because I can see them and we can present them at the end. We can do a quick Q&A depending on how long, how much time we have. And um, so please add some questions down at the bottom. All right, so let's move on. Steve has decided he's uh, going to be a triathlon, going to get into triathlon. How did you decide to become a coach? Like, how many years into it did you start putting it out there? I actually didn't want to coach initially. Um, I was just, I'm working full time for an environmental engineering company at the time. Got, I 
I went to university for geography and environmental studies. So it was awesome that I got a job in my field. So I was doing that full time, um, working, I don't know, 60 to 80 hours a week. It's an engineering company. So you, you work all the time. I uh, didn't have time to train, but I figured out I, I wanted to train. So I just got really good at getting really efficient. So I didn't train a lot, but what I did worked really well. And people starting to notice my results since they started to ask me for help with coaching. And I'm like, I am way too busy to coach you. I'm sorry. I just, I've got, I got my own training. I got my own business, right? I got other things going on. And they said, well, we'll pay you. Just like, tell us how much you want and we'll give that money to you. And I was like, okay, how, what am I going to do to stop these people from asking me to coach them? So I thought, I'm going to come up with some crazy number. It's $100 a month for a training plan. I'll never go for that, right? And this lady says, Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's good. I think her, uh, Connie Kadot was my first client ever. And she's, and I got some friends who are interested in too. So right away I had three or four clients, um, started coaching them because, and I got really passionate about it. I just started loving to help other people get results, started enjoying that more than my own performances, which I was doing well at obviously from them wanting to learn what I was doing. And my business just grew from there. And it got to the point where I was so busy coaching that, I was able to quit my job as a full-time, um, you know, environmental guy and, and just did the coaching full-time. So about 10 years later, I just went full-time coaching and, you know, did that for quite a while. That's how, but that's how I got into the coaching. And um, gosh, I've, yeah, like you said, I've helped people get ready and race in over 1,400 Ironman events, and actually thousands of shorter distance races that people add in around outside their Ironman training. So yes. It, I've had a great time over it over the last 28 years and helped a lot of people. It's impacted a lot of lives and it's been a lot of fun. Yeah, I think I, I hear you. I moved, I did the transition from cycling racer to cycling coach. And let's be honest, it's way less painful being a coach than <laughs> being a That's racer. Because we know exactly all the pain that that everybody's going through to train for those races and then the competition and then the recovery. And I'm like, hmm, do I want to go there anymore? I'd much prefer to help people experience yeah. well, it. And you're, you're probably like me, Sylvia. If you're going to compete and race, you're going to go hard and you're going to try and do the best you possibly can. And I could go into a race now and and, and get through it, but um, it's not going to be a high performance thing because I'm not training on that. And if I want to go into a race, I want to go as fast as I can, right? I'm just going to keep pushing myself until I get to that point yeah. where my body wants to break down and stop. And I'm going to try and hold it there for as long as possible. That's not comfortable. It's like that, the half marathon I did for, it was one hour and 11 minutes. No, that was a very not. painful hour, like 71 minutes. <laughs> I don't want to do that again. So anyways, I, I agree with you. I hear you. I think about like, because with cycling racing, you either have your solo races with time trials, criteriums, road racing, or you get into the multi-day stage races, which is, you know, back-to-back -back days of racing. So it's, you know, it's not, it doesn't accumulate an Ironman, but when you have like one night is, um, uh, you know, a prologue, which, you know, you basically, I'll just like one race, it's a... Um, it's Coupe des Amériques, and it's four races over three days. And the first one's a prologue, and it's, like, basically a 19-kilometer ride. So the first, like, 10 is flat, and the next five is, like, straight up a hill. And, <laughs> and so you start your, your, your weekend with that, and it's all accumulated points for where, like, how you finish. And then the next morning is your time trial, um, so you have to be ready for that. So that's an all-out effort. And then in the afternoon, it's a criterium, which is another all-out effort, but it's only for an hour, right? But still, it's just taxing. And then you finish off Sunday morning with a 90-kilometer, 100-kilometer road race at, you know, full tilt with massive hills. And it's just like, by the time Sunday rolls around, you're like, oh, I don't, don't want to get on my bike. But those were some of the most amazing races, uh, especially when you have a team, when you're racing it. And then coaching, I think coaches uh, do a lot, a lot of work. I don't know about you, but, you know, taking people to races. Did you did you ever, like, accompany a lot of your clients to some yeah. races? Like, if you had a team yeah, at one event? Yeah, to cheer people on. 
Ironman is a very individual sport. People don't race in teams, so it's a little different than it would yeah. be in cycling. But there I might go to, say, Ironman Canada, for example, and there might be a dozen people that I'm coaching doing that race. So during the day, I'm busy cheering yeah. everybody on, helping them understand, you know, what to focus on, keep, keep the main thing the main thing, and just running around yeah. back and forth. It's exhausting watching a race. It really is. I, yeah, I would imagine, because I've seen you on Facebook, like, you're like, here, and then you got to run there and catch a picture and like, do the timing and everything. And I would imagine that if you go with a group of people as an I am, you really do not have them together as a team, like they're very like, oh, one's over here and one's over there, where is that's basically yeah, probably what it's like, right? Sure. Yeah. With a cycling racing team, we're basically all under the same tent, warming up together, and um, and either we all start the same race together, which is usually, a, or it's a time trial and you start individually. So it is kind of um, a different dynamic, I guess you'd say. So excellent. All right. So we're going to get into some coaching tips. Um, so what are your most what are your five training tips that you can give an athlete to help them improve? So if you were to narrow it down and because there's three different um, elements of I am um, or a triathlon, how would you break it down for five, five good tips? Yeah. You know what? I think with that, it's kind of, I'm going to give you the general kind of overall thing because nothing's, Specific. People, I think, focus too much on the specifics of things and they miss the plot of the whole story <laughs> that they're trying to write for themselves. Um, number one is recovery. I think it's so yeah. critical because people focus so much on what mm. am I doing for training? Yeah. And hey, I've, I've had that people win world championships for age group, right? Like outright, like the first like female across the line for our long course all the way down to Olympic distance. So I know how to get people fast, right? All these people going to Hawaii, Ironman World Championships. It's tough to qualify for that. So I know I can get people quick, fit, fit, but if they don't recover properly from the workouts, it doesn't matter what I give them to do for training. They're only gonna get a percentage of the training. And everybody focuses on the training, but it's actually the recovery. And I'll, I'll give you a, a term, see if I can get the wording right. Training is just the potential for performance improvement because your body is broken down when you train, right? Training is the potential for performance improvement it's how you recover from that, that training down. that's actually going to determine what percentage of the benefit you're going to get. Do you want 100%? Well, then you better do everything possible to maximize recovery from that workout. Because if you don't, you're only going to get a percentage of the benefit. So I'll give you the three main things. Again, hopefully we'll be able to sort of sort of peel back some of the layers and talk a little bit more about that. But the three main things are obviously rest. <laughs> I know it's like yep, rest, like rest is a huge one. Like you don't just train hard all the time because your body's going to break down. Hydration is huge as well. Um, is it just 3% dehydration of the study at a ball state university decades ago that showed if you're just 3% dehydrated, your strength and your speed is going to be reduced by between eight and 10%. It's just drinking more water, but making sure that that water gets into your cells. So the other component of that is electrolyte replacement, because that's going to shove water better into your cells. So you don't want to get hyponatremic, which is drinking too much water and flushing out electrolytes from your body. So that's, that's a critical issue as well. So hydration in the right way, right? The type, right type of hydration. Rest is huge. Nutrition right. is the biggest thing. And I see so many people lose the plot mm -hmm. on that they they think they're eating healthy and for most people eating healthy is just oh. i don't eat crap right i don't eat crappy foods i don't eat chemicals or gmos or i don't eat dyed things or artificial sweeteners but i'm listening to them tell me what they're eating and i'm like i don't hear anything nutritious oh yeah they're eating fruits and vegetables but there's never ever no. been a study that's shown that eating a healthy nutritious fruits vegetable diet actually gives your body the nutrition that it needs because here's the thing, you go into a store, that store is going to have to spend yeah. more money to get more nutritious fruits and vegetables. It, a tomato looks the same, whether it's got zero nutrition in it or whether it's got a lot of nutrition. So I would refuse to buy things from a hothouse because a hothouse is just pumping that nutrition into that tomato as an example, nitrogen, phosphorus, and potassium, NPK. That's all you need to make a plant look like a plant. 
What's a hot house? Are you talking like a garden house? Like a hot house. Like what's a, a hot house? Like a garden like, center? Like, like a greenhouse. Like oh, green greenhouse. Yes, okay. Like Canada. Yeah. I'm, I'm from Canada, so I really looked into this a long time ago. If you're growing something that's not in super nutritious soil, and the soil has to be natural, right? Organic is great. I know it's expensive, right? But the soil is going to have all these microorganisms in it that are going to activate and release the or inorganic minerals that are locked up in the soil. If those microorganisms are dead because they've been sprayed with Roundup or they're grown in a hothouse, there's, there's nothing in there to release that wide variety of hundreds of trace essential minerals that your body needs. And all the activity that goes on in your body is conducted by enzymes and mm -hmm. enzymes need trace minerals to function. There's like little, these trace minerals are like keys that unlock the enzymes. So when people tell me they eat, anyways, blah, 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 blah. People say they eat healthy. All they're really saying is I don't eat crap, right? <laughs> but they're not eating healthy. They're just eating, they're just eating yeah. raw food. And it's the key nutrition coming in that's going to dictate how well they recover from the training. It's the key building blocks of amino acids, branch chain amino acids, phytonutrients, probiotics, enzymes, trace minerals, like all those things that your body needs to get the most out of the food that you're eating and the training that you're doing. And most people miss the mark on that. So that is, that's recovery issue. So um, number two, because I, I can talk for a long time on stuff like that. Oh my God, I, I have know, five I, I already. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. Quickly, because I don't know how long this is going to oh. be. Uh, number two is people need to focus on becoming. We have more questions. Anyway, Remember, I'll, Steve, I'll this five quickly, make it so, short. Because <laughs> um, I've got them in my head. I just see if okay. I can kind of pull them out when I get there. Uh, number two is becoming more efficient. Everybody wants to train and get stronger, but if they're not efficient in their movement, all they're doing is getting better at becoming slower relative to the amount of energy output, right? Because think about this, efficiency, efficiency, I like efficiency that. is the ability to move quickly, or speed is the ability to move efficiently. I can't remember which one it is, I can't think about it right now, but that if you're efficient, and you, here's a perfect example, I know I'm all over the map, right? But if you're a swimmer, which I know you're not, you could see somebody in the pool spending like a thousand times more energy, splashing all over the place and going nowhere. Right? But you see a really good swimmer, like an Olympic level swimmer, and they look like they're falling asleep. They're so relaxed in the water. They don't even look like they're working hard and they are kicking your ass because they're so efficient in the water. The same thing happens on the bike, right? Mm -hmm. If you're pushing and pulling at the wrong time in the wrong yeah. angle, you're inefficient. You're not going to put that energy into forward movement. So efficiency is the, is the number one thing you want to be working on outside of recovery, right? But in your training, I always say become more efficient first. If I'm coaching somebody, the build starts with efficiency. And I don't care, like I've got an article on my website that's like, it's so long, I wrote it 16 years ago, talking all about how to become a more efficient runner and timing and impact duration and angles and stuff like that. Because if you are overstriding wow. and putting energy at the wrong time in the wrong direction, all you're gonna do is hold yourself back from going forward. You're getting stronger at it, you're getting better at it, Right, but you're you're gonna hold yourself back. So efficiency is so yeah. so important. Fueling number three, um, and if people say I need to work on my nutrition, no, nutrition is what you do yeah. outside of training. Fueling is what you do inside of training. And oh gosh, I could talk so long about this stuff. But basically, what you want to do is you want to come up with a lower window and an upper level of your window. And in your events, you want to be between the two. And these are the three things you want to focus on. Your body needs, for an endurance athlete at least, is all I'm focusing on. Oh, I hope everybody's you taking need, notes here because I'm taking notes. Electrolytes. It's okay, not go, Steve. Salt, it's, elect, it's salt, it's salt. Like sodium, potassium, calcium, and magnesium. Those are the big four key electrolytes that you want to get into your body for your muscles to work. Hydration, so water has to be coming into your body, and you need a fuel source. And it doesn't matter what that fuel source is, but you need to figure out what works for you. Everybody's different. I started years ago, I was sponsored by Power Bar. So I got boxes of power gels to the point where I just got sick of them and couldn't use them anymore. It felt like I was swallowing a slug. Nothing against Power Bar like, and Power yeah. Gels, they were great at the time. But I just moved from that to CarboPro, which is just a carbohydrate powder that I mixed in with water. And then and now I'm using UCAM. So I coach people to use UCAM, which is a super starch. UCAM, great product. So 
Um, you want to figure out what's the minimum amount that you need of the fuel, the water, and the electrolyte mix that you're going to choose to take, and what the, to get you through the performance of your training and your racing at the intensity that you want to do. What's that lower amount? So you keep lowering it to find out what do I have to have as a minimum coming in for each of those three things, salt, sugar, and water, right? And then... Just to be able to output yeah. enough... Yeah. energy right to yeah. be to, to, to be yeah. able to okay. sustain the effort that you want like that race where i did 111 happened right. a little while after a half iron man that i did 117 and the race that i did 117 and i ran out of energy because I, I i mistook how many gels i had around and instead of taking a gel every 20 minutes i had to take one every 30 minutes and it impacted my speed because i didn't have enough fuel to maintain my output of energy Right. Um, and at that level, I'm going as hard as I can for an hour and right. a quarter. Right. If you reduce the amount of input, it's like yeah. throttling back the gas going into your engine. You're trying to go faster, but you're not giving it enough gas. You can't. Right. So you want to figure out what's the minimum amount that you need. Exactly. Right. And you can just keep lowering it at that intensity from subsequent workouts, not the same workout, because you need to do the same thing through the whole workout. And then what's the maximum amount? that you can handle. Because here's the thing that holds most people back in triathlon, Ironman specifically. It's not their fitness level. It's their fueling for the day. They screw that up and then they, mm -hmm. can't, they can't process energy through their body. They get bloated and they're miserable, right? They bonk, they get cramps or they're dehydrated and get heat stroke. So you got to figure out what are those three things, the salt, sugar, and water. What's the minimum amount yeah. you need? What's the maximum amount? Does that make sense? Okay. Um, I preach this to my, my club members yeah, all the yeah. time, nutrition, 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 bring, I mean, we're just riding. Right. But the thing is that a lot I see, and when I go out for rides, I look at everybody and I, I kind of ask, you know, what are you bringing for food? And it's like, Oh, I'm okay. I'm like, you're not okay. Like we're going for, you know, an hour to the spot. Like, what did you have anyways? But I think that, you know, you're it's, it's so important and I preach and I, you know, people roll their eyes. I'm like, you have to do this. Like it's, if you want to be, you know, move forward, you have to put food in your body. Just practice, just practice so, it. All right. You yeah, got practice you have two more? to make sure that they get it. Like, because here's the thing yeah. that works on one. That's great habits. Building what works habits. on one day with the heat and humidity of that particular day is not going to work the exact same way on another day. Right. Like you might practice it at a certain yeah. temperature, then you get to the race and it's like 20 degrees hotter than you're used to. That's going to be an issue. So if you're practicing it all the time, mm. you're going to be able to adapt. Okay. Number um, four would be the phase, phasing your training. Yeah. Number four would be four. phasing your training. Right. And yeah, phasing just, uh, we'll get, get into this hopefully another time, but uh, again, starting technique first, right. Get efficient. And then once you're efficient at low, shorter distances and durations, then you can get going longer, which kind of morphs into base training, right? Which is the endurance stuff people are doing. Um, and then from there, I typically have people work on strength endurance. So being strong for a long period of time, because Ironman is all about maintaining your muscles ability to function without breaking down. And everything you do is trying to break it down. Every, every repetition is making you weaker. And when you lose that strength, your ability to maintain efficiency disappears. So you want to maintain, get that technique first, build your endurance on good technique, and then get strong at that. Then work on power. And then um, uh, I think that kind of goes into the last thing, which is number five would be work on a proper tapering technique. And I found this. Oh, for race. your yeah, race. It's different for everybody. Like, I'll, I'll, give you, I'll give you the two yeah, types race of tapers week. that I'll typically do for somebody in Ironman. One of them is um, start out, you know, about three weeks out from the race, start to gradually reduce the amount of intensity that you're doing. And for somebody who's new at training, I'll do that for them. That, that works great. Because the, the second one that I would do will freak them out. Right? <laughs> but the second one works better for people who are more experienced. This is what I would do for myself for people who have been training for a long time. So the right. first one, just gradually reduce your training over those three weeks till you get to the point where the week before the race, you're doing a bunch of workouts, but they're all short, higher intensity, but not going to stress you out. But 
10 or 12 days out yeah. from a race, there's no workout that you can really do that's going to be that effective for somebody that's just starting because they're not going to recover quickly enough. The best type of Exactly. It's like yeah, cramming right. for a race. Cramming I mean, down, cramming right. for an exam. Um, the best type of taper I've found is about three weeks out, really unload that big week. Like I'll take two or three days off my training that week and just do a couple of workouts just, but just to stay sharp, almost like the races that weekend. And then that second week out from the race, right? So like eight to 15 days out from the race, bring my training right back up again, hard training, like go for like longer bikes, longer runs, higher intensity, brick workouts, stuff oh, like okay. that. Reactivates your system. And then the week of the race, do that yeah. short, quick stuff. And you'll be fresh and you'll be recovered and you'll be yeah. strong and you'll be ready to go. A lot of people who are better and you're trying to get better yeah. performance, if they start tapering too far out, and they come in, the race reactivates them. They don't have a great race, but they feel great a few days later, right? So I wanna do that, I wanna recreate that right. a week out from the race, like a week to two weeks out from the race, get that reactivation in, and then a quick little recovery right before the race, and they hit it, and it works great. Mm -hmm. so. Oh. Yeah, that's what we do for, right, yeah. for roads racing. Yeah, it's a peak week, yeah. peak month, then, actually. Um, the, the, I'm going I'm to add in so, one more all right. thing, and that's like lose X, lose X, lose X. All right, add one more. I see so many people, they're so concerned oh. about <laughs> aerodynamics, and I got to get the lightest carbon this and the lightest carbon that, and I need this, this squeal and this deep dish disc. Um, we, dude, if you're not going over 30 kilometers an hour, your aerodynamics are insignificant. Right, like that's 18 miles an hour down here in the U.S. and 30 kilometers an hour anywhere else in the world. It, anything below that, your aerodynamics are basically insignificant. You could sit up as you're riding. You're not going to create as much resistance. But the faster you go, I think it's a quadratic increase in resistance for every mile an hour above 18 miles an hour. You better get more efficient and more aerodynamic. But for everybody, Right? It's that lose that excess fat, increase your strength to weight ratio for sure. That's going to help. You're going to need less watts to go harder, right? Or faster rather. Um, yeah. But the, the, the hidden thing in the background is your health is going to improve. And all those other things like recovery is going to be faster, right? You're going to have better efficiency because you're going to be impacting the ground differently and properly, right? You're going to have less stress on your joints if you're a little lighter. And, yeah. But it's the, the health is the big thing. And I see this so many times. Things work, right? There's a lot of stuff that works. Like um, those little, I always try not to say the actual brand name. There's those little energy shots that you can buy in the, the gas station and the cans and the little shots, right? They work at making you more energized, right? And have a better workout, but they're not healthy. And if something works and it's not healthy, long-term, yeah. it's not going to work because your health is gonna suffer. And no matter how well something yeah. works, if you're unhealthy, you can't perform. So I'm always looking at something, is it healthy? If it isn't, I'm not interested in how well it works. Right, anyways, okay, that was my five in a bit. But anyways, yeah. carry on, because I'll talk forever. Well, it's also not to mention, like releasing that weight is you, you have, your, you know, you're putting way less pressure on your lungs. So breathing is better, less, you know, on your heart too. So it's not beating yeah. as fast. It's the same with cycling too, right? Like if you can use a lot of, and let's just talk about visceral fat for a second and it's all in the front. And if for, for being an, a triathlete, you're always in that crouch position Well, I'm talking bike, but you know, it's, it's all that impact of everything inside yeah, yeah. our bodies that it, it, uh, it affects and like to release that is, you know, it's just makes, like you said, it's, it's internally better. Um, and then you're running, it's less impact on joints and, you know, for ankles, exactly. knees, hips, uh, stuff like that. So yes, big one. I always laugh, you know, people spend. On, uh, you know, lighter wheels and lighter bikes. I'm like, just take that money and and help yourself yep, get healthy absolutely. you know it'd be be impact your sport way more all right so let's move on to what are the five common failures and i think you probably actually touched on most of them yep. just before <laughs> so you can just name them so 
you know, that you see triathletes well, doing. Yeah, you could, you could say the opposite of what I said to do, right? But there's, oh, yeah. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's kind of like of that, the opposite. But yeah. what would say like something that sticks yeah. out? Number one. Um, that you may be like Yeah, number one, people corrected. train too much. They put in too many junk miles that aren't yeah. really serving them. Um, and yeah, hey, if you're just getting started and your performance, again, because I'm a performance coach, so I'm trying to get people as fast as possible. But if you're just trying to get into it and have fun, go out and do what you want, right? Hey, that's totally cool. Nothing wrong with that. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. But if you're looking for better performance, get focused with the training that you do. If it's earlier in your career and you're serious about this, yeah, you got to put the volume in to create that base of training. Hopefully you've done the technique work first so that that base is efficient. But I think people generally just train too much. Um, number two, they train too much in that kind of gray zone. Uh, I'll give you a quick story too, but there, there's massive benefits from training what seems like way too easy and awesome benefits from training at a level that you think you're going to die, right? It's like so hard. But most people spend way too much time in that kind of gray zone. They're, they're never doing anything easy. And because of that, they're too tired to do anything really hard. And I remember I was in Hawaii one year getting ready to watch Ironman Hawaii. And I was going out for a long bike ride. I was going to do the Ironman bike course. And Greg Bennett, at the time, he was the number one uh, Ironman or ITU Olympic distance triathlete in the world. Super fast, Australian guy. Awesome, awesome guy. Just retired like a year ago from racing. He's had an amazing career. And I'm not going to butcher his Australian accent, but he said, hey, mate, can I come on a ride with you? Right? And I'm like, Greg, you're way too fast for me. I, I, can't, I can't ride that far <laughs> at your speed. Sure. He goes, Dude, you're, you're going to be too fast for me. I'm going to go so slow on my ride. I'm not going to do the whole thing, but I'm just going to go for like maybe three, four hours. I know you're probably going to do the whole thing. It's going to take you five and a bit, but you know, can I go, can I come out with you? And he said, like, seriously, it's just, it's going to be slow. So here's the number one, the fastest triathlete in the entire world for years. And I got right, he's got to start riding. And I'm like, after half an hour, 40 minutes, I'm like, Greg, I am so bored. Like, this is so easy. Right? Like it's way, I almost feel like I can't stay on my bike. We're going so slow. I'm like, feel like I'm tipping because it's always windy there. Right? So you, you counteract the wind by so going faster. Is this a zone one Sorry. ride for him? Would this be a zone one? Like he's like out Dude, it was zone like one. Point two. Slow <laughs> ride. So, so easy. <laughs> so we're talking about it. And he's like, yeah, like it's just all aerobic conditioning. I'm trying to get extremely good at processing oxygen, accessing fat for fuel. Most people go way too hard and you're not able to do that. Right. So it was, it was really enlightening. And I did that really early in my coaching career and it really helped change a lot of things that I was um, doing with my athletes and it, it, it worked great. So most people just train too much, too much in that gray zone is really to say that the next thing is that people race too much. Right. Um, and I have athletes even now that um, they just want to race all the time. Yeah. And that's okay. But I'm going to say pick I know. two or three key races. Well, no, they're all important. Well, you're going to be kind of like in the gray zone. You're never going to be able Not to really. go top speed if you want to be going fast in all of them. So you want to do yeah. okay, but you're never going to do great. It's impossible. Yeah. So pick two or three races, and then I'm going to train you through the rest of them. Yeah. You'll, you're, because I can't taper you down for every race that you want to do and get the training in intensity that you need to be on for those key races. So people need to back off the amount that they race, or at least the focus on most of the races that they do if they're racing a lot. So. Yeah. I had a conversation with a young girl about this because she's like, Oh, I'm racing here and I'm racing there. And I was, I was in conversation about like uh, nutrition and then I asked her, I said, so when is your downtime? Like, when do you take time off to recover? And she's just like, what are you talking about? I'm like, well, when do you not race? Like, do you take a season off? You know, because she's just like, I'm racing here. And I'm, I get she's young and she, you know, you want to do everything every weekend. And I was like, but when are you taking a season off to fully recover? And I was like, and when, and what is your A race and what's your B exactly. race? Yeah, you know what I sure. mean? 
And it was just like, she, it was like the weirdest question to her. I was like, well, when are you going to yeah, give your yeah, body a break? Sure. If you, if you yeah. don't, it will give you a break. <laughs> it will force the break on you. I know. And I've seen, I've seen plenty of athletes where that's happened, where they lead up to a big race and about three weeks out, they're so sick, they can't even compete. I'm like, well, that's why you don't train 10 days in a row and do brick works every, every day, yeah. you know, like your body's going to shut you down and you mm -hmm. can't do anything yeah, about sure. it. So yeah, over training. I love yeah. having that conversation. Number four. Um, all was, right. Um, I think people, so, they, wor they worry too much about yeah. things they can't control. Um, in Ironman, this is huge because oh, typically you're spending a lot of time and a lot of money <laughs> to get to this race. And it's a big deal, right? Um, and there's a difference between worrying unnecessarily yeah. and just being anxious. Like I've raced for decades and I was never not anxious in going into a race. Always anxious, right? Nervous, anxious, right. scared sometimes. And as soon as the gun goes off, I'm fine because I'm focused. I'm intentional about what I do. And I, I dealt with the things that most people worry about constantly leading up to the race and I responded to them in my head and I did this. So, um, you know, I have a smartphone now, so I would put this on a smartphone, but what I would say to people is when you're going to bed at night, say weeks out from the race, write down all the things that are causing you worry. Like what if this happens and what if that happens and what am I going to do if this mm -hmm. is, is, is an issue or, Oh, I need to remember to do this. And they lay in bed, not sleeping, worrying about all these things that they can't control, write it down. Right, right. Type yeah. it into your phone or write it in a book, and then the next morning, deal with it. Come up with a solution. Like, what happens if you hit a dog when you're on the course and you crash? Right. I remember giving that example to a guy that I was coaching one year for Lake Placid. Doesn't he hit a dog? Dog runs out, pulls it, pulls away from his owner, runs in behind his front wheel, and his chain ring cut through the back of the dog's neck and killed the dog. Seriously, this happened. He goes flying <gasps> through the air, crashes, breaks his handlebars, gets knocked unconscious. But, and this, this is an extreme example of maybe it was a bit too much, but he was focused oh. is my point, right? He comes to, because we talked about this. What happens if you hit a dog? He goes, I'm going to get up and keep going. I go, good answer, <laughs> right? So he gets the crown, gets knocked unconscious, comes to, he goes, I got to go. Hops back on his bike and takes off. Like, dude, this guy's name is... Guy's name was Dwayne. Are you serious? Guy's name was Dwayne, rock star. Finished the race, had a great day, right? Because he didn't let that <laughs> wow. knock him off his game. He didn't worry about it, right? What happens if you get a flat in the transition area? Have a spare tube with you so you don't have to pull the one off your bike. Yeah. Now you're worried about, well, what if I get a flat on the course, right? Like, come up with a listing of all the things that are going to potentially happen to you before the race. Figure out how to deal with them. So when the race comes, you're calm and at peace because you know what to do. Because there's only three things you can control. Only three things you can control on the race. Yeah. Your fueling, your pace, and how you feel about what's going on. <laughs> right? Your response to that, that mental outlook. Yeah. Everything else you have zero control over. You can't control the weather, the wind, the rain, the temperature, somebody cutting you off, somebody drafting, a marshal giving you an improper call or maybe you were drafting and you get a drafting penalty you can't control that stuff right you can control your pace and positioning i guess in relation to drafting your fueling and your mental outlook of the day and i'll tell you right now it's going to be a shit show you're going to feel crappy it's going to get bad right but hang on because in a little while it's going to feel better again and it's your mental outlook and when you're feeling great yeah don't worry in a little while you're going to start feeling shitty again right it's just this constant roller coaster how are you going to deal with that is so important for your performance because the fueling is going to dictate how your body responds to what you're putting into it and how hard you're asking it to perform. And you're going to look around in a race and anybody that's done an Ironman can attest to this. 90% of the people around you look like they're being punished. They're so miserable looking. They're bloated. They're miserable. They're complaining. They're whining about this. They're whining about that. They've already lost the day and they haven't even finished the race if you can stay focused on the only three things that you can control yeah and don't let anything else throw you off your game you're going to have a great day because you're going to do the best that you could possibly do on that day yeah. based on what happened whether it's the mm -hmm. temperature or humidity or bike crash or anything else yeah. so 
anyways, so that's, that's more. I think it's also important. And it, it also seems like that guy, you know how you've heard like when you think what you think about comes about, it's like, you probably thought about that dog thing happening so much that actually he brought it to fruition and but he made it through and that's kind of oh my gosh anyways but but that's good because the dog (laughs) but but i think as athletes we also need to know things about our bikes too like a how to change a flat and that's that comes you know from from us too you know as if you're gonna compete you should know these like there are certain skills that uh should be put in place and you should know about. All right, so let's num- move along. Five, and d- did yeah, you put your number, number five, five out there? One, and it's oh, okay, just, sorry. Uh, kind of related to what I talked about initially on the first things on tips, right? To do, which is nutrition, is like related to the whole recovery thing. Get your nutrition figured out. And I'm not talking about the fueling that you do during the event, right? Or during your training. I'm talking about the nutrition that's going to get your body dialed in. You know, what are you putting in your body to allow it to recover from the training that you're doing? And what are you getting out? I know you and I do a cellular cleansing system that I think is amazing for athletes because it brings them back into balance and gets rid of that. Not only does it get rid of that excess fat that's holding them back from, you know, an optimal weight, right, for their strength to weight ratio, but it's also getting rid of those impurities that are holding them back from optimal recovery and health and, you know, holding on to excess water. So there's so many great things. And I don't care what system you use, but do something that's going to get a better quality of natural nutrients into your system. Get rid of the things that are holding you back and making it harder to access fat for fuel, right? Because that's another thing that I like to help people do through fasting days and training through that is to be able to access that fat for energy so that you rely less on an input of carbohydrates for your fuel and you're able to access more of that innate that energy that you've got in your body. Cause you know, when I was, I mentioned I was 158 when I was racing, I had about 10 pounds of fat on me. That's 35,000 calories of energy, potential energy that I could access. And I was four and a half, five percent, mm-hmm. 6% body fat, right? Very lean, very lean. And that's 35,000 calories of energy that I've got on my body that I have the potential to access if I'm fat adapted and I can go after that fat. But if, all I can do is rely on carbohydrate energy, right? Then the most I can store in my muscles and liver is about two and a half, maybe 3000 calories. And then the most I can put in my system each hour is maybe 400 without getting sick. And if you're in an Ironman where it's like nine, 10, 11, 12 yeah. hours long, the math doesn't add up, right? You have to put in too much energy to get your body what it needs. If you're relying just on carbohydrates, and then you run the risk of getting digestive issues, which is what happens to most people. So figuring that out by getting the nutrition in, mm-hmm. allowing your body to recover properly. So many great key things like Michelle, my wife, for example, perfect example of somebody you had her on recently for an interview. When I, when I, yeah, yeah, she had a great awesome interview. Story. People, you girl, you guys have to go back and, and watch hers, her uh, testament to nutrition, which Steve as he's explained, has helped her with yeah. immensely. She's a firefighter, so very so. skeptical about any, anything like that, right? I know what I'm doing. I eat a lot, right? blah, 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 blah. But she's a great athlete, but she had this extra 10 pounds on that she just couldn't get rid of. And in two weeks, with switching her nutrition around, that weight came off, right? It was, ex- it was inflammatory water, some excess fat. Yeah. Plus three inches off her waist and four off her hips. Man, it's like immediate increase in health. And recovery, those are the key things. I know. She yeah. said it happened in two, two weeks. weeks. Yeah. I was like, just what? switching things up. She thought she was eating healthy. She yeah. wasn't eating crap. But she wasn't getting the right things in to provide mm-hmm. her body what it needed and get the things out. Anyway, so that's that's kind of, those are the, the five things most people do wrong. I know. We'll have to have you back to, yeah, that one, that whole subject of uh, cleansing for athletes and just the whole nutrition yeah. umbrella is something that we should just really bring you back to, to like get into, because it's, it's, I wouldn't say it's, it's technical, um, but you know, we can break it down in layman terms. But the thing is that like, like you said, Steve, it's not about what you eat on race day. It's what you eat all the other days leading up to, and I'm not even talking about the week 
leading up to, I mean, how you eat before you train, during your train, after you train, and after your race are so compellingly important that a lot of people just focus on like, you know, what kind of jelly beans they're going to bring or blocks they're going to put on use for their race, you know, and I'm just like, oh my God, like pumping your stuff self full of sugar. It's like, you have to have something better. I just, in my opinion, like when I race, I, I race differently. It's, it's a little different, well, you um, but I've tried a lot of different things. And I just, just want to race for fun and they're not concerned about health and they're not concerned about um, performance. Yeah. They don't have to be right. Like, but when they come to me and they go to you, that's what they're looking for. Right. I want to get healthier. I want to get perform better. Mm -hmm. Okay. If that's the case, this is what you need to do. But if you're not concerned about that, then have your Oreo cookies after your workout and go to the bar and have a beer with your friends after the, after the training session. Hey, awesome. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. I love ribeye steak and the glass of wine at night, right? Like I do that stuff, but I make sure yeah. I'm getting all the great things in my body that I need. So anyways. Yeah, I think life balance is really important, but if you're going to train and you're going to take something like an Ironman seriously, because a man that training is, is, is a lot. It's like, what would you say? 12 to 20 hours a week, like between your, your well, uh, swim bike person, run depends on, the, on a yeah. minimum, like well, depending on I what you're 19. Yeah. I so think of that race. My average hours of training for the four months leading up to that race yeah. was 13 and a half, which is really small, really small. The biggest week was 18 and a half. Right? Yeah. And I'm, I'm a, I won my age group that year, qualified for Hawaii, had a great race. It was one of the top 10 times at that point in, uh, for that race, for that age group ever. So I went fast, but that's, that's, but that's, that's not much training compared to what most people would do, right? So no. most people are training a lot, but here's the other component yeah. of it. Not only are you putting a lot of time into that, but you're taking a lot of time away from your family, right? So a lot of, I find a exactly. lot of people, they just focus on me, right? What I'm doing, but they don't think about the sacrifice of their kids and their spouse um, to allow them to do that. And mm -hmm. from, my, from my perspective anyways, you, you owe it to yourself and them to do the best that you can in terms of improving your health and your performance to get the most out of the day. Because if you don't, the chances of you going to that race and having a bad experience are dramatically increased because you didn't focus on some key things that would make the day a lot more enjoyable because no matter how much you think you just want to yeah. go and have fun, if you don't have a mm -hmm. good race, you're not going to be that happy. So anyways. Yeah. And, uh, and I think this is where it becomes, um, because you become, you train more mm -hmm. efficiently. It's not necessarily quantity, or quality, no, quantity, it's quality. Like, if you're going to go out for six hours on a ride, well, it better be quality, you know, efforts, you know, stuff, instead of just, like you said, garbage miles, you know, putting in too much training, not being focused, not being intentional, um, just going, I think it's just going through the motions, like, this is like, what you have to do. Like, everybody's doing this. But if you did it smarter, mm -hmm. not harder, then, you know, because like for cycling, you want to get good in the hills, you don't do laps in like, I'll just give the example here in the Gatineau Park, lots of hills. It's a loop. You don't do laps of that. You go to a hill and you do hill repeats and you leave and you go home. Like you warm up, you do five, 10 repeats but they're quality and they're hard and then you you ride home and that's it and that's how you become yep, faster sure. um it's not going around you know and uh, i love it like um all right so we've almost hit the top <laughs> we've almost hit our hour and this is amazing content everybody like please share this um put comments down there i see we have some I, questions I, I can jump out and what I, what i'm going to do is i'll contact I can, you and i'll answer, I can answer monica's two questions oh, yeah. that i saw that came up because number one yeah, yeah okay number go one for she it. asked uh, what's uh, your advice for a first time racer i just like have fun don't get all worried about all the stuff that i talked about right because that's just going to yes. overwhelm you and you're not going to enjoy the experience just go have fun 
right? Be safe, right? Do the training that you need, you think you're going to need to do to get through it, but don't worry about your performance. Just go out there and, and have a good time and then try and go a little bit faster the next time by starting to incorporate some of these things. So I'll try and do all of it all at once. I've spent almost 30 years, well, 30 years counting on my, my racing as well, doing all this stuff. So it's just how I think, but don't worry about that just yet. Number two, she asked a great question. Can you lose weight and train simultaneously? Yeah, you can train, but you can't train effectively. That's the key thing a lot of athletes do wrong is they're trying to train yeah. hard for a particular event and lose weight at the same time. Because the losing weight, as much as it's not a calories in, calories out issue, you do need to focus on your caloric intake as you're cycling your calories. That's what we do with the fasting and you know cleansing days. So that helps an awful lot. But when you do that, yeah. initially it's gonna kick, kick your training in the butt. And so what I say to people is train, but reduce your expectation of performance for that training event as you're focusing on the fat loss. So lose the fat first, ideally, reduce the focus on your training. And then once you've got that done, flip things, start to add the calories back in to support your training, and then keep an eye on your fat levels to make sure they're not creeping up because you're taking in too many calories over and above what you need for your training. So that, that's my focus is to say, ideally you yeah. don't do both together. I, yeah. I totally agree with you, Steve. And whenever um, I start with an athlete and they have to both do. goals, I always say, you know, like for the first little while, let's focus on the weight loss because the weight loss is going to accelerate and it's going to enhance all the training afterwards. And it's going to be better. Like I just, for, for people to focus on doing both, like, you know, they're, they're cutting calories, but they're too tired and they're trying to do this. And then the, you know, everything falls apart and you're not good at anything. And so you don't lose weight and you don't perform well, and then you've lost time. Um, so I, I agree with you. I'm like, totally focus on weight loss first. And then, um, thanks Monica. And then move into competition or like, just move into whatever uh, fitness goals you have, you know, because a lot of people talk to me about, um, you know, hitting the gym, like, I want to lose weight, and I want to hit the gym, I go, well, well, let's just for the first month, let's talk about, you know, you know, good food habits, good routine, releasing some weight, you're going to get more energy. And then let's hit the gym, or let's hit, you know, or, or amp up your training or whatever it is that you want to do. Um, cause the two together doesn't work. Cool. So, all right. So we're finishing up. So please guys, this is such amazing. Like I could bring back Steve for like five different topics because he just has so much good content as a, you know, like as an, I am coach, as a trainer talking about nutrition, um, intermittent fasting, cleansing, stuff like that, that he has been using with his athletes now to make them more efficient and, and top quality athletes. And it's something that everybody can incorporate. So we're going to bring him back, but I want you guys to share this please. And uh, add some more questions below for us. And uh, we're going to answer those probably directly to you. And uh, because I don't, I, I see that I can't, um, uh, add any advice underneath comments. So what I do is I just get back to you personally with your question and answer it that way. Or Steve, um, you guys have, you can find him there too. Um, and, uh, share it along. So Steve, one last tip, just one, have fun. One, just one, yeah, one, what would you say? And enjoy your, yeah, have one. fun, enjoy your life. Um, you're, you're right there to enjoy yourself. And if you don't, you're going to finish the whole thing and look back and go, oh, I missed such a huge opportunity. Yeah, maybe it went fast and you, you did well in your races, but if you didn't take the time to enjoy things and then meet people and share that experience with people close to you and the people that you could potentially meet, you're missing out on a massive part of what racing and performance and you know, just competing in these things is all about. So I know it sounds kind of lame, but it really is. It's one of the things I look back on a lot of my races and I think about how focused I was and I think, man, I wish I had more fun in some of those things and looked around a little bit more. So anyways, yeah. hopefully that was useful. But. I hear you. I think that's a really, really 
good great to, tip, Steve, is have fun. And, have an awesome day. Thanks and so much for leading the way for helping everybody live a healthy, performance-focused life. You're awesome, and it was great to be here to chat with you today. Well, thank again, Steve. Um, like I said, everybody, I'm so blessed and grateful to have uh, so, such great friends that I can uh, bring on and share things and share the life of cycling and triathlon to the world. And so please pass this along. We're going to have a lot of other great athletes, coaches, people in the industry that you're going to learn from. And uh, it's just so much fun to bring this type of information to the world and have an amazing day and happy training yeah. this summer bye thanks a lot steve bye everybody thank you so much for spending this time with me on the secrets from the saddle podcast learning more about sighting people places and things that make cycling such an exciting sport i am so glad you stopped by today Please leave me a review if you feel so moved to do so. I would love to hear your feedback. And if you could take one second to share this episode with someone you think would enjoy it, I would be forever grateful. Also, if you could please leave me a review if you feel so moved by going to iTunes and leaving me an honest thought and an honest comment telling me what you think and most importantly, tell me what you'd like to hear more of. It would really help me to bring more great, inspiring cycling stories to you. Until then, have an amazing day. Make sure you ride your bike. And don't forget to visit my YouTube channel if you'd like to see the full version of this podcast live.